Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. for Keller ISD and it was kind of a pleasure to have her on to be honest I don't get a lot of people in her position on the podcast I have had Philip Taylor uh, I have had I feel like oh I, I had Philip Morgan if your name was Philip then I've had you on uh, but I don't get a lot of people in her position I've reached out to a number I'm not going to name names but I've reached out to a number of people in those positions and they show interest but uh don't uh don't kind of follow through with it being on there too busy or whatever and they probably are but uh you know some of them aren't as busy even though they're very similar positions and maybe working for smaller districts but i digress i'm not going to complain i do want to uh quickly start off with saying you know follow me please on twitter at mr blake minor that's the one that's not blocked by security because <laughs> it's clean. Uh, not that the other one's not. It's just uh, I've got another Twitter account that some people do follow, and it's super boring because I created it for Straight No Chaser fans, and a lot of them still follow me on that account, but it's turned into like a wrestling account, and so I just tweet about wrestling or tweet at wrestling people, not wrestlers. And so that's I'm such a loser. I'm almost 40 years old, and still into wrestling but anyway again i digress that's not why you're here but uh i uh, want you to follow me on twitter or if you're more of a facebooker i've had un- a lot of people uh friend me on facebook and i appreciate them i also have had people and this brings me to one of my things i recorded a lot of interviews this past week because i just wanted to get ahead of things and you know a new school year starting i'm at a new, new job new school And so I wanted to make sure that I was ahead of things. That way I'm not too overwhelmed with my week-to-week as uh, personal obligations. I know it's self-imposed, but the obligation of getting a podcast out there from week to week. So I happened to be doing some interviews, and uh, one of the people that I interviewed this past week happened to reach out to me and say, I'm a big fan and enjoy your... Well, I don't know if she said said I'm a big fan, but she said she enjoys the podcast and uh, enjoys the kind of just hearing what people do around the state and theater educators and stuff like that. So I ended up talking to her, and I'll reveal who that is later on, and she's probably listening and knows exactly who I'm talking about, obviously, but uh, that'll be in a couple weeks. But anyway, this week is all about Kim Bland, and it was a pleasure to talk to her. It was so fun. Uh, She's just really fun, and it's not a video podcast, but her office was like super... um, geom not geometrical but it was like clean all the edges were clean like you could see that in uh the room she was in it was her it was her district office uh because she ended up having some technical issues at at one point and uh somebody came in to help so i'm assuming uh that it was a district it person or not an it person but a district person so uh that ended up helping and uh it worked out actually so um but i had a lot of fun talking to her and uh, you guys will enjoy this as well. It It is still, I am still hashing out how this studio works at my house. 
Uh, so the mics might sound funny. I might sound distant. I don't know, man. It's just, I'm trying to figure things out. It's just not the same as it used to be, you know, the OG closet where I started this podcast. That's pretty much where it started was in a closet. Now I'm in, my wife allowed me to make my own room. So, uh, I've got a all black blacked out curtains. It's pretty sweet, bro. But, um, yeah, so that's happening. The other thing is I started back at school, uh, Monday and uh, all of the teachers came back on Thursday. I know there are some people that are in the same boat. Some people even started school already. Uh, I talked to one teacher this past week that, that's in their first week of school, but I started at the John Cooper School. <clears throat> Please reach out to me if you ever want to see like the coolest space ever. And what I have found at the John Cooper School is they they have, I mean, I don't want to make people feel really bad about where they are because uh, for a long time I wasn't in ideal per- perfect situations. I was in great situations. Don't don't get me wrong. Dulles High School, shout out to you guys. Once a Viking, always a Viking. I loved being at Dulles High School and things are going up, up, up at Dulles High School. But uh, you know, Dulles, Travis, uh, even Morton Ranch was was pretty great. Um, and then Rowlett with freaking Brandon. But anyway, uh, the John Cooper School is a whole nother beast. It's for the most part, I think, more of a math and science independent school. They don't call them private schools. They call them independent schools. Uh, and because it's got a whole math and science building called The Rock, which BT dubs, obvi reasons, I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, the, I, I've already called it the Dwayne Johnson building, but uh, it's called The Rock. And then they have an upper school that's tied with a middle school, and then they have a lower school and a fifth grade center. But then they have this big fine arts facility uh, on one side of the campus, and that's where I'm at. And it's a 500-seat auditorium with uh, with a full fly system, actually probably too full, to be honest. Uh, it doesn't have any electrics. You create electrics out of pipes. It's like a rental house. It's got hookups for broadcasting trucks. I, I know, people are like, why, who cares? Please stop talking, but... I just have to tell you how awesome it is. And if you're ever in the area, and uh, because I, I want people to see the space, I want administrators to see the space, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's the same with Bastrop. And I'll get to that in just a second. It'll be a long intro. But um, administrators and people, the planning bonds and things like that, need to see these spaces because they are what everyone should have. Now, I understand limitations for individual schools not having them. I also understand that PBK is the Texas Scenic, no offense to Texas Scenic, but PBK is the Texas Scenic of theater buildings in high schools. Uh, Shout out to KDISD. But we've all seen those, uh, the same theater. It's the same theater everywhere, and that's lame in my opinion. Some people say, no, that's great. Then kids go from space to space, and it feels like home. No, no. That's not how life works. Uh, if you're going to do theater in the real world, you're not going to go uh, to Seattle being a theater and then go down to Miami being a theater and it's the same theater. That's not how it works. So uh, I am all about different spaces, different character. But I haven't gotten permission for this, but man, would I love to invite some people there and just show them around and you know, you get what you can get from 
that kind of individualized tour. But it's the same with Bastrop. So Texas Thespians had their professional development in July, and we were in Bastrop. And the Bastrop pack, I think I mentioned this last week, is just gorgeous. And Jacob Layton there does a really good job taking care of it. But people need to go see that space uh, and and just know what it's like to have that space. Why does Bastrop have that space? Uh, it's, you know, it, there's there's no reason that a bigger district shouldn't have something like that. Uh, I know that down here, at least, Cypher has its own theater, but no offense to the Berry Center, but that theater is the same PBK cookie cutter theater. And it's, I've worked in it for years. So I, I just, um, I would love to have people. And so if you're ever interested, if you're ever in the Tomball, Woodlands, Conroe, Spring area, give me a shout. Uh, I might be able to kind of give you a tour of the space. We'll see. I have to get permission. I know I got to get vetted, especially with COVID stuff. By the way, wear a mask, get vaccinated. Anyway, um, I'm going to say it because I believe it, whether you do or not. And so we, by the way, we are starting the school year masked up. So uh, I think there's some districts that are not, and that's fine, whatevs. So I wouldn't want to work in those districts, but we are starting the year masked up uh, for uh, an indefinite amount of time. And actually, I think through August 30th, but they're, gonna, they're going to reassess, and I'm pretty sure we'll be masked until the end of September, the way things are going, at least. So everybody be safe. I'm going to stop talking, stop blabbing, stop yapping, and enjoy this interview. Again, make sure that you are leaving a five-star review if you so please. Make sure that you are following me on the Twitter, on the Facebook. You know, shout out to the Cash App and Venmo. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Look in the comments. Anyway, have a great, great, great week, everyone. Enjoy this interview with Keller ISD's Kim Bland. Well, um, you know, I, I would, I think that I would probably say that my journey in theater uh, started really, uh, really my junior year in high school. You're probably like, well, hey, I didn't even know we were going back that far. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, but it probably started my, um, my junior year in high school. And um, I had been, I'd grown up, uh, kind of, we had moved a lot with my dad's job, but um, the last five years I've been living in San Antonio and then my parents came in um, right before my junior year in high school and said um, we're moving to San Angelo, Texas, like West Texas, which is where uh, all, most of my family is from, most of my extended family and my grandparents, both sets of my grandparents still live there and um, I was I was just not happy at all. I loved living in San Antonio in a bigger area and I just thought, where are they? They're taking me to San Angelo. Um, they're, this is crazy. But um, <clears throat> looking back at it now, it's like that move to San Angelo uh, really changed my life for a lot of reasons. One, I met my husband, um, my, which is awesome. Uh, he's like one of the best things about me. So if anybody says, what's the best thing about you? I say, Josh Bland, <laughs> he's incredible. Um, so I met, I met um, Josh my junior year. He was a senior at San Angelo Central, which is where I was going to high school. And the second thing is, um, I also met um, Kelly Russell and, um, and Norma Watts, um, who were the theater teachers there at San Angelo Central. And um, even though I had not been really active in theater, um, I had done little plays since junior high and even like elementary school. 
Um, but I, I was not really active as a high school student until my junior year when I moved to San Angelo and I met, I met Kelly and uh, Norma and um, the theater group was so welcoming. Um, my grandmother was a teacher at a local elementary and she called Norma Watts and was like, my granddaughter's moving here. Will y'all be nice to her? And then all of the theater kids were like so nice to me. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, and that some of some great friends. Um, and that really sort of uh, shifted my focus to think I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and I was pretty set on being a teacher. And then all of a sudden I thought, I didn't know how incredible it would be to be a theater teacher. Like this would be amazing. And um, I, I ended up going to Evelyn Christian University um, and majoring um, in, um, in acting and directing. I got a BFA in acting and directing from ACU. And that was um, instrumental. I met um, some of my closest friends um, who are still in my life and influenced so much of me came out of ACU. Um, I, I really can't say enough about their theater program. In fact, I think how we connected with Kyle Martin. Um, he's crazy and amazing. And um, we were in the same college class together, which is great. Um, and so I, I, I went through ACU knowing I really wanted to teach. And um, we got out of school, Josh waited on me. Josh and I actually ended up getting married. We both went to ACU, and but we didn't get married until he had graduated from college. And it was like the middle of my junior, uh, the middle of my senior year, um, we got married. And um, there were not a ton of teaching jobs when we got out. He, he got to teach um, at Creekview the year we got out with uh, Devon Wilson and Missy Head, which that brought them into my life, which was amazing. And I um, just landed a job as a speech and, and um, debate teacher in Grand Prairie for one year. Um, and then Josh went to grad school and we moved to North Carolina and it would be another four years before I could come back to Texas to do what I wanted to do, which was be a Texas theater teacher. Um, so yeah, we came back to Texas and that's when I think like another important man entered my life and uh, that's David Stevens. Um, and I had known David um, through Kelly Russell. Um, so David Stevens used to teach at San Angelo Central. He taught my husband. And then when he left, uh, Mr. Russell took over and um, that was my year. So I just missed um, um, Dr. Stevens. And then, um, but I kept in, in touch with Mr. Russell. And so I, uh, because Mr. Russell and, um, and David were teaching together when I was in college, I would keep in touch with them and see them. And, and I was directed by David like in a summer camp show and got to know him that way. But I never could have known that, um, that I was gonna get to work for him in Keller ISD and he was going to like put me on what I truly think was like supposed to be my path all along. Um, so he is, he is so special to me. And uh, I try to tell him all the time that he doesn't like um, anybody to tell him this thing. So he always ignores my comments about how amazing he is. So anytime I can talk publicly about him where I have the mic and he can't stop me, I try to, cause um, I just, David knows he's, yeah. he's like a touchstone for me in my life. I love him. So um, 
I was a theater teacher at Keller Central for uh, five years and um, I loved it. I loved working in Keller, working for David. I got to work with some amazing people, um, Bobby Malone um, and Ann Ackes and Katie Wilson. Um, and we all just kind of got to work on a team. We had some awesome experiences, had, an had a couple of opportunities to go to state in one act, um, do some amazing shows and musicals, build a program at Keller Central. And um, I, I, I got pregnant with, my, um, with our son, Beckett. And um, he, uh, that was my fifth year teaching. So he was due on Christmas Day, and I was doing everything I could to have that baby in December on Christmas Day. I was going to work all the way up until Christmas break, have him on Christmas Day, and be back by January 15th to start when I play. I was, like, ready to go. Um, even my booster club, they were amazing. They had bought me, like, an extra pack and play to have at the school, and I was, I was really ready for it. And um, so I had Beckett, and um, I it was the end of January and I kind of started going back to, he was about, uh, I don't know, five weeks old or so. And I was taking him up to the theater, touch, putting my toe back in, going to whack rehearsals and seeing my kiddos again. And David called me and said, Hey, I need to talk to you. I am, I'm leaving Keller. And, uh, it was, it was not just like the pregnancy hormones from having given birth. I was so devastated. I was just, I couldn't believe it. Um, I was so sad. And um, he said, um, I'm going to take a, a, a job at UIL and um, as the director of you know, academics. And I was happy for him um, and did my best to um, not like bring a rain cloud over all of his amazing news. He's gonna get to live in Austin and have this job. Um, and then he said, well, listen, I, I want you to come be the interim director at Keller. You're going to have to come interview for it, but I think that you would be an amazing fit. And um, we already have a long-term sub in your classroom. It makes sense. The only thing is, is that like, you'd have to come now. You need to come like in the next week. And I wasn't really due to go back to work for quite a while, but I was like, um, yeah, I mean, I knew that I was already wanting to move in the direction of administration, but I was really having a struggle trying to figure out how I could still have art involved in my life and theater. And um, and so I thought, okay, you know, I think this is an opportunity. I really need to try to go for it. So I came up and interviewed with a, um, a few people here in Keller, and they decided to bring me on as the interim fine arts director. So I uh, served as the interim fine arts director for the rest of the year from February through June. And then they posted the official position as director of fine arts. And um, I, I honestly, I don't think many people know, but I didn't think I was going to get to interview for it because um, I didn't have my master's degree at the time. I was actually in a master's program for educational leadership, but I had not completed it. And I thought, well, Timing wise, it's just, it was hard. I'm just missed it. And I was pretty, I was really sad about it actually. And um, there was another school district who was looking to hire a theater coordinator position at the time. And they reached out to me and said, hey, um, we don't care if you have your master's or not. You can get it while you're here. We, we want you, will you come, come to work for us? 
I'd gotten to know the people in the district through my interim position and through David. Um, and anyways, I, I was heartbroken because I didn't want to leave Keller and I was loving what I was doing, but I was also excited and thought, well, I need to take this opportunity. And then um, Keller called me in and said, uh, we wanted to know if you had looked over the job posting and seen the changes we made. And I was like, no. And they said, well, go ahead and pull it up. And I pulled it up and it said that the requirement instead of a master's was in a master's or in the process of completing a master's. And I was like, oh my gosh, uh, this means I can apply for the job. And they said, yes, and you can apply for the job. So I applied for the job. And then um, a week or so later, I uh, was officially offered the job as director of finance for Keller. So um, I really think, you know, that brings me to being director of fine arts. And actually, it's really like crazy to think that I'm entering my 10th year as director of fine arts in Keller. And I, somebody told me that the other day, and I was like, you're right, it's been 10 years. That's insane. I gauge it by my kiddo. He's nine and a half. And that half is like really important to him. He adds it on to everything. So, you know, I was like, oh yeah, and I started when he was born. So this is pretty insane. Um, gonna be nearing 10 years soon. Um, and it's these last 10 years, uh, they've been just, I mean, such a joy. Um, I've learned, oh, gosh, I've learned so much. Um, I have learned a lot about leadership. I've learned a lot about the arts in general. Um, I've had the privilege of um, you know, being a big part of hundreds of teachers' lives. And I think I knew, you know, when I was in the classroom, you know, that feeling you get when you, you know you're a part of a kid's life and you're making things better for them, it always felt so great. I didn't think there could ever be anything to replace that until I became director of fine arts and realized that I could do that for a teacher. And as soon as I knew that I could do that for a teacher, just on a whole new level, I was like, no offense to the children. I love kids and I love my teaching, but it was, it was um, just inspiring to know that I could do for, for teachers what teachers are doing for kids. And um, that just, you know, I guess kind of just solidified that this is where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. So, um, there's been lots of things, I think, in my journey as an arts director over the last 10 years, and I'm sure I could, you know, talk forever about it, but um, that would be pretty boring, but um, I personally have lived through a lot, and I've professionally grown a lot, and um, I'm, I'm truly, like, I'm very thankful yeah. for, for this position. Uh, by the way, I... I'm, I'm not, I don't want to insult you and say my only takeaway from that was that your son really holds on to that half, but I totally understand that. <laughs> so, because yes. yeah, my daughters are about to turn their, they both have September birthdays and they're about to turn, you know, the next age, obviously, and the next year. And so they are very adamant about, I'm almost, I am, I, you know, I'm a month away, daddy. Like, it, you know, yeah, 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 yes. I got it. <laughs> so. Oh, and Beckett stretches it even more because um, when he was seven, he was telling, like, we were in with the doctor and we were, we were, he was having just a normal checkup and the doctor was like, so how old are you now, Beckett? And he said, I'm practically eight. Yeah. And I right. was like, um, 
it's a month past your birthday. Yeah, You're right. barely eight. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? I'm yeah. practically eight. Yeah. Yeah. I told him, I said, one day you'll realize like that changes. Like you reach a certain age where you, you want your, you, you wanna, want the yeah, younger years. You want to hold, <laughs> hold on to the, to the last birthday. Yeah. Well, and, and once Ava learned fractions, that, that was all down. It was, you know, I'm, I'm eight and three quarters daddy. Like, you know, like, yeah, that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, well, so I, I wrote down a lot of questions. Um, I, first you, you mentioned that you knew that you wanted to teach. So usually that's a bloodline thing. Like, you know, my mom was a teacher, so I knew that that was maybe something that I was going to want to do. What did your parents do? Or did, they, did that have any influence in kind of where you ended up initially in the classroom? Yeah, it, it completely did. My mom was a teacher um, and then went on to be a principal. And um, in my family as a whole, I mean, I'd have to count it, but um, there's well over a dozen teachers in my cousins wow. and my um, and my aunts and uncles um, and, and administrators. Um, and my grandmother, she was a teacher. Um, and so, and I, I felt kind of started that in our family, you know. Um, my um, brother is a teacher and my sister um, is a librarian, a high school librarian. Okay. Um, and so I definitely think education was a family business. Um, I think that they would probably tell you I took it a little more seriously than everyone else when I was younger um, because I would make my grandmother give me all of her um, out-of-date teaching um, textbooks, you know, and um, I would make everyone listen to me. I, I got a chalkboard for uh, Christmas one year, and all my friends in the neighborhood, I think, just quit playing with me because I always wanted them to, like, sit, and I would, like, make their lunches. I had little, uh, like, lunch trays, and I wanted everybody to come play school, and um, I was very, very into playing school for years and years, and um, and so I think everybody just sort of knew like, okay, you know, Kim's going to be a teacher. And, um, and as, as soon as I started teaching, I knew, oh yeah, this is, this is what, and, and I definitely believe very strongly in public education. And I tell people all the time, that's my profession is public education. Yeah. And my profession is um, now leadership in public education, um, but it's the family business, public education is. What, what did you make for lunch? <laughs> Chicken nuggets, always. Because, okay. okay. um, you know, that was my favorite thing in the yeah. um, middle school cafeteria. Yeah. Okay. I would make it. I would fix, like, all the little trays for, for my friends and stuff. And they would all want to stop playing. And I just couldn't understand, like, how would you want right. to stop playing? And I, I was never the student. I was always the teacher. So I'm sure that's why yeah. they wanted to stop yeah. playing with me. They never got to switch roles. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I get that. I've, I've talked to a lot of people and even, I mean, even to an extent myself, because like I said, my mom was a teacher. We, we played school as well. Uh, I was never allowed to be the teacher. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's why I became the teachers because it was like, finally, that's fine. you know, you wanted that role. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I've never heard anybody say that they made lunch for, yeah. for their, <laughs> they went through the whole process. <laughs> oh yeah. I was very specific. I, I, I think that that's why I was meant to be a director because I directed that whole day. Like I wanted <laughs> yeah. lunch and recess time. And I mean, I wanted everything. I made them bring backpacks. Yeah. Like I was. I was definitely like a method person right. when it came to my right. my playing, my playing teacher. I definitely was like Stanislavski all the way. That's pretty so. funny. So good for you. So uh, another thing is, and I've and I've talked to Kelly Russell 
um, as well on here. So I got a little bit of the ACU, or not, sorry, not Kelly, you, you mentioned Kelly Russell and Angelo State, but uh, Kyle Martin. So I've gotten uh -huh. a little bit of the ACU thing, uh, but you don't hear a lot about the program at ACU. Uh, it is, it's not, um, it's not necessarily, I don't want to say a, dis a disrespected program, but it's not one that always pops up when, when somebody yeah. says, hey, tell me about a school to go to in Texas that would be a great training ground for theater. So why, I want you to talk about why that might be, and then also talk about why it is a good place to go, because you, when people do bring it up, like yourself and Kyle, uh, and I have a former student that went there for theater as well and, and just raves about it, why don't people talk about it? What's, what's like, is it the fact that it's got that kind of, well, it's Abilene Christian. Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of a caveat to that. So I want you to speak on that a little bit, kind of sell the program, if you will, do you know? Uh, yeah. 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 You know, um, I think that that's really interesting. Um, I think ACU is a hidden gem, um, and in, in the theater education world, you know, um, they, they have um, amazingly successful, talented Broadway performers. Um, you know, my, um, my two college roommates, one of them um, runs um, uh, Human Resources for the Globe in San Diego. Uh, one of them is a, um, you know, a professional equity uh, stage manager production person who has done tons of work on Broadway and all over the place. I mean, they're incredibly um, successful. And that was three of us that all lived together that one year. I mean, they're turning out incredible artists. They don't accept very many um, students. And um, I don't think that they always maybe, I, I don't really know if they recruit the same way some of our like Texas schools do and have a lot of that connection. But I can tell you what they do have. Um, they have. They have professors that are the epitome of the kinds of teachers I try to find here. So the reason you know, that I started my journey in theater was because of people like Kelly Russell and Norma Watts who said, hey, you're good at this, come here and invest, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, invested in me as a person. And that is what ACU professors do. And I don't think you can put that on a brochure. And I don't think that that is flashy on a marquee, like, like all the Broadway stars that they can name. But when I tell you that um, Adam and Donna Hester, who have been running that program for years, are close personal friends of mine and my husband's, and they, uh, you know, Adam, Adam read sonnets at our wedding. Um, they know my son. They've been with us every step of the way. And even... Even years and years, um, you know, after I got out of college, so like 15 years after I was out of college, um, the, uh, the week after I was diagnosed with cancer, do you know, I heard from every professor at ACU, some of which I, I hadn't, um, you know, I hadn't talked to in years, quite a few years. I definitely go back. I had definitely gone back and done some things with the university and stuff, but we were not on like a day to day. Hey, how's it going? And um, they sent me cards. They reached out to me. They checked on me. They called me. And um, if you can imagine how many students they have a year that come through there, the fact that I was still important to them. Um, it was 
when you go to the best thing about ACU in my mind is the care that the professors give you as a person and the connection that then everybody years to come that kind of goes through ACU has that same experience. So even if they don't really know you, they're like, oh my gosh, Adam and Donna, Gary Varner. Like we start naming people, Steve Pounders, and we just talk. Sandy Freeman, Sandy Freeman was our, um, she was our customer and did lots of our custom things. And her husband, Clay Freeman, is a, um, is a retired public theater teacher. And um, Clay Freeman personally invested in my husband and I so much that Clay was a groomsman in our wedding. I mean, the, the amount of connection and love that you receive from the professors, um, I, I would just challenge anybody to say that um, there's anything better than I see yeah. when it comes to that. Good. So I think that that's why um, they're so amazing and they turn out so many great people. You know, I have multiple teachers from ACU working for me now in Keller and um, they're dynamic. They're incredible. They, they're giving that same thing to kids. And I think it's because they had so many years of receiving it from, yeah. um, from people like the Hesters and, and the Varners and the Freemans right. and stuff. That's good. That was, yeah, it's, it sounded like you had practiced that and you didn't because these questions, are, these questions, no, are I didn't know he's talking about ACU or else I would have really gotten some good things so, to say about that. So that was good. That was, I, I, I want to go now and I don't need a bachelor's <laughs> degree. Uh, so you, you know, one thing I want to hound you on a little bit, cause I, I was the same way for, for a while with Bob Singleton as I couldn't call him Bob. Uh, you multiple times in your introduction said, Mr. Russell, Mr. Russell, have you ever said Kelly to his face? Like, have you ever called him Kelly? Not to his face, probably. <laughs> um, I will tell you, my husband does. Yeah. Kelly and him, they text or whatever. Yeah. And I, I say it like when I talk about him sometimes, I feel a little uncomfortable. <laughs> he has told me multiple times how ridiculous this is. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and to be honest with you, um, yes, I can call him Kelly. I am personal friends with him as an adult. Right. I have established an adult relationship with him as well. Um, I think though, when, and I know this, this sounds silly, but you know, Kelly would be what an adult would call him when he was having a conversation with him. So to me, I think over the years, um, calling him Mr. Russell just feels amazing in my heart. And it's almost like what you would, uh, it's almost like what you would say about, like a pet name for someone when you use like a nickname for someone that you know so well and that you respect so much. Um, I would say I have that same sort of like internal, like feeling in my chest and my heart when I say Mr. Russell, and it definitely is like a term of love and endearment. I get that. Yeah. I I mean, I haven't talked to my high school tech director, Stephen Wolf in over a decade, but I don't know if to his face, I could call him Steven. Like uh, it just, you know, I'm almost 40 and I still can't. Yes. I'm just, I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's a respect or a fear thing. It's one of the two, but <laughs> I totally get that. So, uh, I want to go back to your North Carolina days just for a little bit, but what did you do while you were, were you teaching in North Carolina? I was not. Okay. Oh gosh, you really don't want to hear this part well, of the story. I don't think. I mean, well, I really I, don't think you want to hear this. I, I well, okay, then, then, then don't answer that question. But I want to know what is it about? Is there anything about North Carolina that you miss? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. I love. Um, 
we moved to North Carolina because my husband went to get his master's degree at UNC Chapel Hill. Okay. And um, he got into UNC and we were like, we're going, we moved from Texas. I'd never lived outside of Texas before. Um, we moved to North Carolina and I just thought, what have we done? <laughs> I just thought, oh, I'll teach in North Carolina. And I went to North Carolina and the process of um, becoming certified in North Carolina was not near as easy as it is now. And all the teachers in North Carolina had two jobs. Most of them worked at the mall or um, Home Depot at night because you were making like almost the poverty level. It was really, it was not great. And they didn't have a lot of theater teacher jobs. Um, and so when I realized I wasn't going to be able to teach, I kind of mourned that. Um, but like I said earlier, the best thing about me is my husband, Josh Bland, and anybody who truly knows Josh Bland knows his heart and knows how incredible he is. Um, I was willing to do kind of whatever I needed to do for him to have that experience to get his MFA and, um, and to go to school and, and do the things that he really wanted to do in life. So um, I, I, I mean, just in a nutshell, uh, but a lot of people don't know this, some people do. So it's kind of embarrassing to say, but I'll just say it. This may be one of those things I call you and say, hey, take that out, but I'll, I'll try not to. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, I was looking for a job anywhere and I couldn't get hired. I had a BFA in theater and nobody, I mean, they didn't even want me for like office work and I was willing to do anything. Um, and I knew I couldn't teach and I knew I wasn't going to be able to teach for several years. So I was really worried. Um, and I, I had done a little bit of marketing work for ACU when I went to ACU, like as a student job. So I was like, I'm going to go in and just apply for this marketing job for um, Rick Hendrick Automotive. And I'm going to see what I can get. And I walked in, I got an interview. I was so excited. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I had like a whole portfolio put together that sort of looked like a theater portfolio, but it was really marketing, you know, but I was using all my theater skills. And um, the guy said, hey, you're next up. Go down here, take a right. Um, the door on your left, you're going to interview. And I was like, okay, great. Took a right, took a left. Um, I, I'm at, I, I sat down and I said, oh, I'm here for the interview. And the guy was like, okay, come on in. What you got? And started talking to him. We ended up talking about San Angelo. He knew people from San Angelo. We ended up just laughing. I started telling him, yes. And then before I knew it, I wasn't even talking about marketing. I was talking about my love for theater and that I, I couldn't teach here because I didn't have a certification, but I love my husband. I'm getting a job. I'm going to make this work. North Carolina is going to be awesome. And he just looked at me and said, um, okay, here's the deal. I want you to come on board and sell cars for me. And I was like, um, mm -mm. like, I know nothing about a car. I can yeah. drive a standard, but <laughs> like, that's my extent of like yeah. car, car knowledge. In fact, every car I've ever had is like an old junker clunker. Like I've never even had a new car. I've never had a nice car. If you saw what I drove in on, like I should not be selling cars. <laughs> no. And he was like, I'll teach you everything you need. And I'm going to tell you, you can make a lot more money doing it. And I was like, I, I appreciate it. Um, I'll think about it. I'll talk to my husband. I'll get back to you. And he said, can I ask you one thing? Can I say, yeah, I said, will you sell cars for me for four weeks? And I'll guarantee you a salary for it. I'll guarantee you the marketing salary. And if after four weeks, um, you hate it or aren't good at it, um, he said, I'll give you the marketing job. And I said, um, okay, yeah, like, okay, yeah. I'll do it because I need a job. Okay, that sounds good. 
So I went home and Kevin told Josh about it. He was like, oh my gosh. I told him, don't tell your parents I'm selling cars. I'm not going to tell my parents. Like, let's just see what we can do. Because um, I just I just thought, no, but everybody's going to be like, why aren't you teaching? Why aren't you doing theater? They're just going to be disappointed that I had not followed that, you know? Um, and anyways, when I walked out and was walking towards the door, the man who had told me where to go for my interview said, hey, uh, what happened to you? And I said, oh, I just, I finished my interview. And he said, um, no, you never showed up. They checked you off the list. He said, you take a right and it's the door on the right. And I was like, I thought it was the door on the left. I went into the door on the left. He said, that's our owner. You just talked to the owner of this place for an hour. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I walked into the wrong door. Anyways, long story short, um, I ended up being really great at it. Um, I didn't know anything about cars. I, I think I even, by the time, I only sold cars for a little bit because they promoted me and I started doing bank relations for the dealership and doing financial stuff and um, other things. And But um, I did that for four years and was really on track to like, I could become a a dealership um, owner operator things like that and um, Josh and I just had a great talk and I was I honestly um, I'm thankful for the job so I don't want to say I was miserable but I was miserable right. um, it just wasn't it wasn't you yeah yeah it wasn't me I was miserable because I was making more money than I'd ever make in my life you know at a very young age and I felt like I I felt like nothing I was doing uh, lined up with what my my life and my um, core values was set out to be right. right? right. I, I didn't, I wasn't teaching and making us lunch trays or whatever for people. Um, and so my husband, I really credit this to him. He said, I don't care how much money it is. We are never going to make a decision in our life solely based on money when it comes to what we're going to do with our life. And he said, so, um, you walk in tomorrow and you quit the job and we're going back to Texas so you can teach. And, um, and I did, and just left it. And so we made amazing friends in North Carolina. I miss the weather. I miss four seasons <laughs> of, yeah. you know, weather. I miss the leaves changing. I miss the lakes, the ocean, the mountains, the people that I have in my life. Um, and I'm thankful for that experience because that experience sustained me when teaching got hard because I knew even on the hard days of teaching and working in public education, um, my heart was still um, in the right place yeah. because I had experienced not being in the right place and knowing kind of what that felt like. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying all that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, North, I, I love North Carolina. I think it's one of the prettier forgotten states, uh, if you will. But um, it also is home to like my favorite airport. I think it's Raleigh or Charlotte, but whichever yeah. one has the rocking chairs in it. Uh, yeah, it's Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. 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 I think that's so cool. Anyway, <laughs> but that's it's like Cracker Barrel as a as an airport. Um, yeah. I had to fly into Charlotte a lot. We lived in Chapel Hill and okay. I would fly out of Raleigh yeah. Durham and fly into Charlotte a lot. And um I remember the first time I ever saw a rocking chair. I was like, <laughs> why has no one thought of this? It's great. It's incredible. You just sit and rock yourself, yeah. you know, on the porch. Nobody's yeah. getting stressed in the airport. <laughs> right, exactly. So 
All right. I want to shift gears a little bit to kind of what you do now. Um, I, I know that, so, so I'm, I'm tight with Philip Taylor, right? And I, I mean, yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of people love that man and, uh, yeah. I, I do as well. And so, uh, one of the things that he kind of prides himself on when, when he was in Fort Bend and now that he's in Austin is learning something that you didn't know before. So when he took over Fort Bend, he knew some things about dance, but being the coordinator for the dance and theater, he, he knew a lot about theater, obviously, um, or so he says, but he, he learned a lot about dance. He wanted to learn more. Now that he's in Austin, he's got mariachi under his uh, job description, so he's learning more about mariachi. Is there something in your position over the past 10 years or so that you have made sure – I'm not the – best with this or as Forrest Gump used to say I may not be the smartest man but uh, I'm not the best with this but it's something that I want to maybe take on and try to learn uh, so that I can do my teachers a, a good credit here yes I mean everything all of the above <laughs> okay when I when I got this job I turned down being a coordinator of dance and theater at a at another school district right. to where I would have worked on a team with an, a successful fine arts director who could have really mentored me to stay here in Keller and be the only person in Keller as a um, director of fine arts where I was going to have to be in charge of everything, band, choir, um, theater, or at the time we didn't have orchestra, I've started at Simpson, but um, theater, you know, dance, everything. Like I, I all of a sudden art, I had everything. And um the extent of my knowledge in band was I got a one on a bell kit solo in seventh grade. And then I thought that the band director was, was kind of mean and I quit band in seventh grade. Like that's my band knowledge. And when you're interviewing for a director of an arts job, you know, 90% of the people who have those jobs are higher. They're at, at least at the time, um, I haven't done any statistics. So Please don't quote me on the statistics. But at the time, almost everybody was a band director. And um, I was one of very few women. And I was um, was one of like very, very few people um, under 40 um, and had real no real, real music experience. Um, and I knew immediately I was like, well, I, I want the job in Keller, but I'm, I've got to learn a lot of stuff. And so I really uh, tried to focus pretty strongly on that. And it almost did me in. Um, you know, I've, I've, told, I've told the story to my teachers and to some other people before, but this is truly what it was. Um, I, uh, I was sitting at my desk and I had a band director who I actually taught with. He was awesome. And um, he called me and was like, Kim, I got a problem. And I was like, what's up? And um, I was so excited that a teacher called me. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to like help somebody. Here we go. And he was like, this kid, um, he had uh, a sousaphone and he left it in his driveway. He was going to load it in the car. He forgot to load it in the car, ran back inside, got back in. His brother backed his car up and they ran over it. They backed over the sousaphone. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he was like, I need a sousaphone like soon. Like we don't have enough and I've got to have one. And I was like, you know what? Whatever you need, we're going to make this work. I, I, I'm on it. Like I'm on it. And I hung up the phone and no joke. I went to Google and said, what is a sousaphone? And I hit enter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they're the, like the big, 
the big ones. And <clears throat> I had been really sad because I didn't think I was doing a great job at this job yet because I didn't know everything. Like I didn't know all the things that I was supposed to be doing. And then I thought somebody's going to come into my office and see me Googling Sousaphone. This is humiliating. And then I went home and told Josh, like, I Googled Sousaphone today. Like I had to Google what it is. I don't know why anyone gave me this job. And um, <clears throat> Josh told me, uh, he said, you know, um, knowing what a sousaphone is doesn't make you a great art instructor. Knowing how to help a teacher that's got a problem does. What did you do? And I was like, <clears throat> well, I went down and, and I spoke to our chief of schools and our chief financial officer, and I, I got some money. <clears throat> and I called him and said, hey, let's get a quote on a sousaphone. I can get you a new one. And I said, and I, I knew from Google how much they were. Um, so I was like, okay, I think I kind of know. We got a quote, a real quote. And I got him one. And he was like, you got a new sousaphone for a teacher today who called you. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, and all you can focus on is what you didn't know. And I was like, okay. And he basically told me, like, you're, you've got to decide if this is you or not. And you, you know, you need to get in there and figure this out. And that's the day I kind of went back in and was like, okay, no shame. I'm going to tell this story. So I tell this story a lot. And I tell people all the time, if you've heard this story from me before, um, it's not because I don't know I've told it. I've told it like 50 times. Right. I tell this story every time I can, because I think it's important for people to know that it doesn't matter what you don't know as far as like, if this is this or this is that. What matters is that you want to know, you want to problem solve, you want to take something off of a teacher's plate, you want to make their life better, and you'll go to the ends of the earth to try to figure out how to do it. And along the way, you'll learn all the things. You'll learn what mariachi needs. You'll learn what choir needs and what band needs. And then next time you're going to walk in and you're going to have some teacher who's looking to you to ask questions and you can say, actually, we need to buy the sousaphones in January because prices go up in February. And we always get this one. And this is why, this is why we use this brand. This is why we march with it. And so, yeah, like 10 years later, I can say all those things yeah. and I can know all those things that I couldn't have then. But it didn't matter that I couldn't have said those things then because what I always remembered was it is about making that teacher's issue better so that things for kids are better. Right. So yes, I have learned, I mean, I could fill books with what you have to learn in this job. I, I have discussions on the strangest things every day, which is kind of exciting and fun. You know, one day you're talking about a sousaphone, the next day you're talking about like rickety risers and what's going to happen with them. And then you're like figuring out major curriculum issues and you're writing, you know, innovative courses for the state and things. And you're giving extra money for teachers and you're starting programs. Like we've started some amazing programs in Keller. We have theater um, from the ELC from pre-K through 12th grade in Keller ISD. And we started that. That was not here. Um, and we got that going. So you get to do these amazing things. And then like the next day, like yesterday, you know, I'm up here talking to band moms about concession stands, trying to figure out if we're going to charge 25 cents or 50 cents for extra chili on a hot dog. I mean, what could be better, you know? Um, so yeah, there's like, there's so many like crazy things that um, you have to learn, but the, the skill set that you need um, to do this job it doesn't really have anything to do with all of your incredible knowledge because in my mind that incredible knowledge is what you want your educators in the classroom to have 
and you want to trust them and learn from them and help them with what they need. Yeah. What what kind of chili though? I'm telling you. <laughs> but what we have decided is they're doing like all these hot dogs, and oh. that was very important. <laughs> I mean, it makes a difference on you know what what they're selling, uh, how much you're going to raise that price. Anyway, uh, that, that was nice. Well, you'll be happy to know that uh, pickles are staying at a dollar next year. Okay, good. Yeah. No, oh, the big so, the big pickles. The big yeah, pickles yeah, yeah, yeah. are yeah. staying at a yeah. dollar, and those are, those so swing by. I've already told all my band directors yesterday, I'm buying all y'all pickles this yeah, year. Yeah, those are disgustingly popular. It's <laughs> it's really kind of, uh, and those have been popular for a long time. It's, you know, yeah. anyway, I don't understand. I'm not a huge uh, pickle in a sack kind of guy, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I don't know. Some A lot of people are apparently. So uh, you, you mentioned earlier, and I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because I, I've been uh, under the tutelage of some great band directors that, that came into your type of position, a, a fine arts director or a coordinator or something, but, yeah, um, and even just left Fort Bend where Jim drew, uh, yes. you know, Incredible. pretty much walked from the marching field into that office. Um, and no complaints about it, you know, but, yeah. uh, you did mention, and I know your statistics, obviously you're not sitting here with a chart and saying 91.3% are, you know, no. but there, there are a lot of band directors in your position more so than theater directors. Is there some sort of, uh, pride that you take as a theater director in your position, knowing full well that this is, it's rare, it's more rare for somebody like you to be in this position than it is for a music background uh, leader. And, and that's slowly changing, but um, not, not necessarily positive or negative, it's just slowly changing. Uh, but is there a little bit of pride that you take as a theater director uh, in the position compared to your sort of more quote unquote typical band director leader? Um, you know, I think if I could describe it for me, it doesn't, um, I take pride in my job for sure. I'm so proud to yeah. serve Keller sure. in the Keller community and my teachers. Um, I'm deeply rooted in this community and um, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I do. When it comes to that portion that you're talking about, I don't, to me, I don't feel pride. I feel responsibility. Gotcha. Um, I feel it as a major responsibility to make sure that when my career is over, there are a lot more theater administrators in the state and a lot more, not just, uh, and when I say just, I don't mean just not, not theater coordinators that also do right. something else, but theater directors of fine arts that are running districts for the in, entire, um, over, we need theater people who are even over some of these things. Right. Um and, and I feel I, I feel a great responsibility to nurture that, to reach out to younger people, to help them become that, to help them find jobs in that area and to promote them and move them forward. Because, um, and, and this will probably get me on my soapbox and then you'll probably call me and say like, can we have to cut some of what you said? <laughs> no, but do it. I'll try to be super <laughs> diplomatic, but I will promise you, I, I want to preface this by saying, I have a very strong relationship with a ton of fine arts directors in Texas. Yeah. And I'm so thankful to them. Um, some of them who are band directors, they're my first call and they right. know, and I'm like, hey, you're my band director friend. What am I doing on this? Like, what is this? Explain this to me. Um, and they do the same for me. They call and they're like, okay, I don't get theater. So tell me this, you know? 
And so I'm, I'm so thankful for them and they, they take my call every time and they're incredible leaders. But what I will say to you is this, um, as theater teachers, our theater teachers are overworked in Texas. Um, they are overworked and we all know underpaid because all theater teachers are underpaid. All teachers are underpaid. But when comparing theater teacher stipends and the work that they do to other stipends of other fine arts areas, theater teachers are overpaid, uh, underpaid and overworked. Most of them work on small teams or completely by themselves. Um, most of them put in way more work and effort and energy than is ever compensated for, which all fine arts teachers do. But there is a there is really um, uh, a gross difference in that for for the average theater director at a high school or a middle school in Texas, and um, that is a shame, and it has to change. And unfortunately, it only changes when you get people in leadership who say, I know you can't do a comparison and pull up enough to pay this person more. I know no one else is doing it. But even though no one else is doing it, it doesn't mean we don't need to do it. It doesn't mean we don't need to elevate our teachers. It doesn't mean they don't need to work on team, teams. It doesn't mean that, you know, when you look at, at, at music people who, that man, they work so hard. They are teaching so many kids, they are working so hard, but most of the time they're doing it on a team and most of the time they're not teaching a full schedule. And what I mean by a full schedule is they are teaching a full schedule, they're in classes, they're co-teaching together, but they're not teaching, like if you're on an eight period day, they're not teaching six over eight and then going every single day to rehearsals by themselves or maybe with one other person who sometimes is split two schools or whatever it is that they're doing. That's not happening in the music world. And that's, that's not the music people's fault. And so I wanna be really clear here. What we don't have in theater is not because music isn't giving it to us. Music is doing it right. Music is doing it right. And it is why people are proud to be music educators. There are more and more people going into the profession, interviewing for jobs, taking this seriously as their career. And then we're looking around trying to find theater teachers and nobody knows why you can't find them. And you think, well, let's think about why people are leaving the profession. This is why. And so for me, when you ask that question about my pride at this, my pride is, is fully, fully um, like formed in my district and my teachers and the pride of my district and my teachers and the luxury and the privilege I have to have this job. Where I feel responsibility is we have to have more theater people becoming administrators in Texas so that we can improve the workplace and the um, pay and the respect and the amount of teachers so that we can change how we do things in theater in order to keep people in our profession and in order to make kids go, that's what I want to be, you know, <clears throat> that's what I want to do one day. And, um, and that's the only way we're going to do it. Yeah. So I, I feel like what I feel more than anything is uh, a big weight of a big weight of responsibility and an excitement that this is what I get to spend 
you know, I've spent 10 years like or nine and a half or whatever we want to say our half. Yeah, you got to keep the halves. Nine and three-eighths or whatever. Your daughter could probably figure it out for me. <laughs> but I, I've spent that time um, getting better at the job I do. And now, like, um, and what I've been trying to do over the last several years is put a more concerted effort towards raising some of these people that want to be administrators because they have to want this because it's a totally different job, but raising them to the level and helping them and pushing them in any way I can to move on to that so that we have more and more people who can help influence that kind of change that's needed in theater. Yeah. You, you're speaking my language. Cause I mean, I, I got a master's in administration uh, from Angelo state uh, so, oh <laughs> so, yeah. but for that reason, I, or, you know, that was one of the main reasons is, um, more visibility from theater teachers as now administrators, decision makers, uh, and so on and so forth. So I, I get the soapbox. I've made many of comments on this podcast about, about that, but, uh, and I totally get it. It's, it's not, it's not a fault of music, the music departments. It's, it's more of the fault of uh, maybe decision makers not knowing exactly what we do in theater. Um, and, and I totally understand it. And yeah, we can. And they have it. powerful influences. Yes. Um, music has huge support um, through statewide organizations, nationwide organizations, TCDA, TMEA, um, TBA, I mean, the yeah. list goes on, TODA, I mean, we could just list them, and all these people, they're coming behind them, they're, they're helping them, they're lifting them that way, yeah. and we need more um, support through state and national organizations for theater teachers, we need more people in Texas in the decision-making chair saying, yeah. I don't care what anybody else is doing, we're paying them this, because that's the kind, we're paying it here, we need to pay it here. Yeah. I know it's unreasonable or crazy to think that you need four theater teachers, but guess what? We've got all the kids in it. Yeah. We're going to get four theater teachers. They're going to work as a team. And, you know, every single one of my high schools has four theater teachers at yeah. it. And here's what I will say. We're on that next level of journey. Like we've gotten the four theater teachers. And now what we really have to do is it's kind of like somebody who, um, maybe has lived in poverty for a long time and then all of a sudden you win the lotto and you don't know how to manage your money. Um, my theater teachers are incredible and they work so hard. I actually, people ask me all the time, like, how do you get your theater teachers to do this? Like other fine arts directors last me and I was like, no, you don't understand. Like I spend a hundred percent of my time with theater teachers trying to say, you're working too much. Go home. Don't do that. Pull that back. And, um, and truly, like, that's our next journey. We've started it. We're a couple of years into it. And, and I'm taking it very seriously this next couple of years is it's not enough for me just to give you the staffing that you need. It's not enough for me to make sure that you're, you've got budgets and you've got things like this. Now, I've got to come into you and say, I know this feels weird. It's going to feel weird to not be in the theater and to see light and be with your family. And you're going to feel guilt and you're going to feel all these things. But, hey, I want you here for 20 years. Um, not for five, like incredible, you're a firework, everything's amazing. And then like you don't even want to teach anymore. Like we have to change the culture of theater teachers. 
you have to change the culture of what it means to be successful. And these exhausted, worn out, can't even get my laundry done or food in my refrigerator, like theater teachers, that can't win a badge anymore in our culture. We have to, we have to change that. And the only way we change that is to give them all the support they need and all the training and all the help and then come right along beside them and love them while they're doing the hard work of figuring out how that looks. So I love it. Uh, I don't want to stop recording yet. I want to ask you one more question and keep it light at the end. And I'll I'll preface this with, uh, I worked my first event a week ago at the John Cooper school and, uh, the woman in charge of the entire event, which was for these donors and like just this massive, very important people type of type of event. Uh, she said, I need to put together a playlist uh, on my Spotify and, uh, you're going to open it and press play. Right. And so I thought, okay, great. Well, apparently on Spotify, it defaults to whatever is your most popular choice of music as it just starts playing it just, like it, it like when you open it on the account I, i'm sure there's a setting for it but hers is set to just start well she apparently listens to a lot of justin bieber and so it was uh, rather embarrassing for her not not as much me when she opened up the account and justin bieber just popped right in for all of these vips if you will that were about to get fed a, a, a dinner and all this kind of stuff and we're trying to ask them for money and and so here comes Justin Bieber. So she was like, oh, she was very embarrassed. It was, and so it just got me thinking about guilty pleasures. Like what is, cause she's, she's similar of similar age to us. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so I, th- I thought, what is, what is Kim Bland's uh, uh, guilty pleasure? What is something that, that you, if you were to open up your, you know, Spotify, Pandora or, or just anything, maybe, you know, yesterday was national hot dog day. And so a lot of people came out as, yes, I like hot dogs. And you've already, we've already had a hot dog conversation, so right, yeah. we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to talk about it. But, but, but I do like hot dogs. Okay. Yes, I'll say that, yeah. <laughs> but what is, what is one of your guilty pleasures? And I want to get you out on, on that, and then I'll let yeah. you go uh, be important. <laughs> oh, please. You said, I, well, I will tell you, if I opened up my Spotify right now or, or my Apple Music or anything, it would be embarrassing because it's basically everything my nine and a half your old son listens to. So, you know, he is very, he has a wide uh, variety of music and he goes through a lot of stages. And I really wish he would have like interviewed me when he was seven because he was super into Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and he like dressed like Bruce Springsteen. Um, He made me cut all of the arms off of his flannel shirts. That's pretty sweet. Like his his first or second grade school picture, he wore a t-shirt that said, let's get the band back together with like a, uh, cut off Bruce Springsteen shirt that, awesome. that his granddad had gotten him from Goodwill that we could cut all the arms off of. So yeah, like, but now, like, if you saw it, he, he has totally changed and he's very like, he's very mature now. So he's very into all of the things that everybody else is, you know, so all the moody, like almost preteen music, yeah, which he, is really yeah, sad. Yeah. yeah. But I would say like, um, I guess something a lot of people who know me really well know about me is that I really love like true crime stuff. Okay. And I think I'm like an investigator. Um, and so I investigate like everything. Um, uh, a lot of my friends, they, uh, they make fun of me about it. They, uh, um, 
they call me Callista, um, you know, and, um, and they know, like, if anything's happening, they're like, Kim, you should investigate this. And I was like, I'm on it. Even no matter what it is, I'll figure out like who, um, unplugged the refrigerator in the break room before break. Like I will know. Um, I, I love, I love any kind of investigating kind of true crime sort of stuff, watching it, listening to it. I, um, my son, um, I was wanting to spend time with him and like color, you know, like, Hey, let's color, let's do stuff. And I couldn't do like the little kid coloring books. They just weren't doing it for me. So I got a, a serial killer coloring book. So I like color pictures of serial killers. So I think that, um, anybody like Josh knows, like it's a hard day if you come home and Kim's got the serial killer right. like coloring book out with my right. map pencils or something. Well, net, Netflix, yeah, Netflix thinks that I am a serial killer because I watch <laughs> I watch all of those investigative. I'm um, the same way. I, you know, yes. I'm sure if like an FBI agent were to ever uh, come into my house, they would be very concerned about what I, what my Netflix queue looks like. So absolutely, I would I would be arrested on the spot. Like it's yeah, it's crazy. I get and, it. I've seen pretty much everything. People will text me. I, even my teachers will be like, hey, yeah, I thought you'd like this. Yeah. Anything they text me that says that, it's always like some sort of yeah. um, true crime investigative sort of something. And, and awesome. I love stuff like that. And so it, I would say that's a pretty big guilty it pleasure. It explains why you have that fingerprint kit on your desk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm what? Kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Minor wisdom.